Hey everyone, welcome to the Wrath of the Oceans podcast. We're two Gen X friends who chat about fantasy, horror, and science fiction books, movies, and streaming shows. We also interview some amazing authors and independent directors and actors. I'm Ron in Seattle. This is episode 78. I'm here at the 2023 Seattle International Film Festival, and I'm going to chat with director David Cornu, actor-producer Adam Bucci, and actor-producer Adam Huss. Their spectacular and elevated short horror film, Let It Kill You, has been making a lot of buzz here at the Seattle International Film Festival. I met with David Cornu, Adam Bucci, and Adam Huss at the Grand Hyatt Seattle Press Suite, provided by the SIF Press team. Hey, we're at the Seattle International Film Festival, and we're going to talk about Let It Kill You with director David Cornu, actor and producer Adam Huss, and actor and producer Adam Bucci. Welcome, guys. Hey, thank hey. you for having us. Hey, I, I saw Let It Kill You last night, and I, I was telling David earlier, one, I have certain expectations of what a, an independent short film is supposed to look like. But as soon as I started, I thought, oh, my God, this looks like a preview for a significant film. It was just absolutely stunning. David, can you talk about the production and the cinematography for Let It Kill You? Sure, sure. Yeah, thank you for that. We spared no expense on asking for favors. That's really what it was. We went to all the people that we knew. And Jeff Caroli, who was the DP for it, did a spectacular job. That opening shot, that drone shot was really the Adams and I call them affectionately the Adams. We've been on a long journey with this project. And when we decided to do a short film, we have a feature script of this. And we decided to do a short film as a proof of concept for it. We really did call in a lot of favors. We got a lot of production value for it in trade. I think all in the budget was only $20,000, but you probably would never guess that when you see it. So for our listening audience, can you give a short synopsis of Let It Kill You? Without giving any spoilers, of course. Yeah, it's, it's an elevated horror about a disillusioned soldier who unearths an alleged enemy combatant from a tomb and fights to prove this man's innocence, only to discover his new friend may have been buried alive for a reason. And I want to start with Adam Huss on that, because when it starts... You look like a fairly grizzled veteran who's seen a lot already, which I like. You're not a new soldier to the scene. It seems like you've seen a lot. And that's what makes this movie even more intriguing is that you're not prepared for what you're prepared to believe or what you're going to see. There's something that's not quite right. Yeah, I think he's already disillusioned. He's someone who's probably questions his why is he there in the first place and fighting this battle. And then when he finds this the man he finds in the cave really symbolizes this purpose of for him of everything might not be what it seems here. We're not just killing people mindlessly. There's something to this. Let's hold on to our humanity here. So it to juxtapose that with what eventually occurs, it's a real struggle for him. Now he's questioning that very notion. Who who's right here? Are his are his own men the enemy or it's a really difficult question for him. Translates to, I can die now. Sorry to correct you, but I can die now is Ana Astatia Ana El An. I'm fluent in Arabic. What you said translates to nothing. It's not Arabic. It's ancient Egyptian. Egyptian. A dead language. 
speaking a dead language should have been proof enough he wasn't jihadist. My superiors insisted that he must have entered the tomb through a hidden tunnel that collapsed during the bombing. Said he couldn't have been in there long, plus he didn't look Egyptian, which was exactly my point. It didn't make sense. He was emaciated. His eyes burned in the sun. He couldn't process what we wore or comprehend our technology. They chained him up anyhow. Like an animal. Yes, that's one thing I like about your character, Aiden. You're showing a lot of courage in saying what you believe and what your thoughts are because you're ultimately concerned about someone who is being misperceived. Yeah, being the other. And again, he's already has a thing inside of him that is different than others and he knows and he's struggling to fit in or be somewhere he's not. And now he's left with this question of this thing that's right in front of him is it what it appears to be or is there more to it? Even after the melee and everything that goes down, trying very much not to give things away. <laughs> Adam Bucci, your character, Rahoda, is complex. You're speaking ancient Egyptian, first of all. How long did that take you to learn ancient Egyptian? A couple of days. That's good. <laughs> no, we, it, it moved pretty quickly. Like David said, we have a featured version of this or this world, these characters. So the short film happened pretty quick and we worked with a dialect coach few days before few days before shooting so it just was a, taking a couple of days to really immerse myself in the dialect as best i could and david was so helpful with that too he had a, a friend of his that helped and he really took a shine to it though he did a great job with it technically we don't really know what ancient egyptian sounds like but the closest thing is coptic and a woman named colleen darnell who's a specialist in this i reached out to her and said if we were to speak ancient Egyptian allowed. Could you translate these things? And she said, as far as we know, this is the closest approximation that we could find. And it's pretty accurate. Uh, oh, that's impressive. Part of the fun of it. Yeah, it made improvisation hard. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I couldn't make up words. No, I was so nervous about that, really. I'm so happy that it didn't bump you or bump anybody. And I was able to really get in there and do it. What I found really I was moving about your character is in most movies, you should have been perceived as the villain right off the bat and we would know it. But even when you're speaking ancient Egyptian, you seem to be pleading to Aiden that you're trying to save him somehow. There's this desperation about it. I think that was the extraordinary aspect about your performance in the movie is, again, ordinarily, it's, if it's a horror movie, I'd be scared if you find some guy in a cave and what the heck is he doing here? But you immediately have sympathy towards your character right away. Was that what you're trying to convey? Yeah, for sure. The very first moment, I don't want to give it away either. <laughs> well, I mean, but, we should discuss, are we giving it away on this podcast? So, yeah, maybe we try to keep it as... Keep it as yeah, we always follow your lead. So what do you, I was walking around earlier with my wife and I was like, do we give it away or not on the podcast? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But no, I think the follow-up. <laughs> this is already a great tease for our audience. So I actually probably should not give it away because then they're going to want to see it. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think to answer your question, because I wasn't speaking English for me as the actor, to convey what I wanted to say. Obviously, I knew what I was saying because we worked on the words, but it was almost like I had to put emotion behind the words, not understanding the words exactly. And I had to convey it through my body language and, and voice. And that was a challenge for me. And I think that's where you get sympathetic for the character because you're feeling his emotion. Both of these guys are such terrific actors. And I knew this. We've been working on the feature together for a while. And we just have an inherent trust in how we work together. But I was very much the beneficiary to their incredible acting chops, 
and their natural chemistry with each other. And so I think that the, the whole film really benefits from that. They just gave tour de force performances. And Bucci with, yeah, it doesn't matter that he's not speaking a language. We understand the emotional content in every single frame of the film with him. So it's great work. It's extraordinary performance for sure. I'm, I'm Aiden. We started to form a connection. I found an Egyptian glossary of terms online. <laughs> no hum. I can barely communicate, but no hum means save. We couldn't stop talking. Save. No hum. No hum. Emoch. You saved me? Sorry, pal. But I saved you, remember? There's one scene I was particularly moved by. Your whether it's your superior officer or a fellow officer, I'm not sure. This person is insulting you for caring about this individual. And one point says, Are you falling for him? And you say, Maybe I am. And that does indicate that maybe Rehodop has this influence over you. But I also feel like it's because you have that much empathy. You're able to see beyond that. And your character is also using any technique they can to understand Adam Bucci's character, which to me, it's a, a tenant that I've seen in my life where people I admire seek first to understand, then to be understood. And you're clearly doing that in the film. Can you talk a little more about your character's deep empathy towards Rehodop and the courage to face up to an officer who is, let's just face it, being pretty rude? Thank you for that. And I think that their bond that he feels that is an unspoken bond at first, whether they can speak the same language or not, he can't deny that. And I, as a person, have massive amount of empathy. So I love connecting into that. And I think David's writing really played to that. And we don't have to spell it out, but there's something between these two and we feel it, we know it, it's there. That's enough to drive Aiden to want to save this person. When you love someone or you want to call it, you'll do whatever it takes to save them. So I think that's where all these tactics come from. And, and got to, to say that when you're at war and that's your enemy and you want to save that person, you're up against a lot. I found that an extraordinary performance because when you appear on the screen, it looks like this is going to be a predator film. I mean, you look like who's someone's grizzled who just is a life taker and you have no qualms about it, but you have that appearance and you certainly look like someone who's probably had to been in that mode before, but that empathy you show, it's subtle in some ways. It wasn't blatantly obvious to me, but it's just, it was more of your nonverbal acting that can see that. And of course you're conveying things verbally, but even the nonverbal, when you're going to feed him and take care of him, that was very touching. Thank you for that. Yeah. And again, that plays to what David wrote and the message that we wanted to get that bleeds into the feature without, again, giving away too much, but to show who Aiden is in any circumstance. This is who Aiden is. And we come, it comes to play a really important part later on in the feature. Aiden was saying, kill me, kill me. Second suicide attempt. Sounds like a guilty conscience to me, bro. You're wrong. He's innocent. Look, I don't care what happens to me. He's not staying chained up. What's wrong with you, West? What, you got a rager for this guy? What if I do? He's the enemy. Because we're making him into one. 
right now. It feels like we're the enemy. I'm gonna pretend I didn't hear that. Sergeant West just came from the cave. Prisoner's dehydrated and running a fever. Won't stop calling for you. Yeah, I think we could actually tackle that a little bit more. Just the messaging behind this, you're picking up on a lot of the things that it's heartening to hear the things that you're, you've tapped into because this really is, um, it's thematically about transformation, which as people watch this, they'll understand that in, in more context. But ultimately, the tagline for this short is allegiances can change and you can even discover things about yourself that you didn't know were inside of you. And so we really get to explore a lot of that messaging in this. And Huss just did such a, an amazing job. This guy who comes across as this grizzled soldier, but just shows such compassion and soon starts to be at war with himself as a U.S. soldier in the Sinai Peninsula. Am I really on the right side of this war right now? Am I aligned with the good people or the bad people right now? And he becomes very protective of Rahotep, this man who's wrong place, wrong time, wrong circumstance, and is being wrongly accused of something. It's not just a horror movie. It's, it's rare when you walk away from a horror movie thinking, how do you find more understanding and more empathy for people? That's not the first thing you usually think about. But those are the thoughts I was left when I watched the film. David, earlier we talked about the cinematography. It was very extraordinary. Like one of my favorite scenes is when Aiden and Rahodap are in the, the cave and you see their outline together and it does foreshadow some darkness, but they're also together. Beautiful scene. Oh, we were very fortunate to have that. We shot uh, in a gold mine. It was a literal gold mine. So we got to go and use this place for two days. And that was a shot that I had storyboarded for day one and we didn't get to it. And so the next day I went to Jeff Caroli, the DP, I said, I got to have that shot. And so when we were doing a setup for something else, I said, let's turn it around. Let's grab that right now. Guys, sit down. And we got it. And man, that just said everything because it really is the sort of iconic image to show this unlikely friendship between these two men in the middle of the desert. And I think that picture, that moment really defines to me that bond. If you're not getting it, that really is it. You you wouldn't know we were 30 minutes outside of Los Angeles. (laughs) I didn't know, actually. That was my next question. What was your location? But yeah, 30 minutes outside of LA. I don't know, maybe, yeah, longer, maybe 45, 50. Yeah, but yeah, it was, you definitely had to drive to get there. We we had to go down these dirt roads. Mm -hmm. It was just 35, 45 minutes out of Los Angeles, just north of the city. It's, and, it's tough when you're looking for a cave because yeah. there are caves, but they're on studios and studio ranches and they're ex- very expensive. And so when you're in a budget and you've got cut just a couple of days to shoot, we got very lucky with our location scout, Jason, and he found us this cave. It's Jason Schiller for that one. Yeah. It, it, he really delivered because I kept saying, he's, what if it's something other than a cab, cave? And I said, <laughs> It's got to be a caveman. It just, it does. And so he found it. It's amazing. Extraordinary. In fact, the the still that I saw in the program for Sith was the cave picture. And from that alone, I didn't read the description yet. I said, I have to see that right away. My Um, feet did not like the cave. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'll say. I was pretty cut up. Adam Bucci, I have to ask you, you have to get to some primal places for your character. And that was uh, terrifying. How do you get there? How do you find that in yourself to 
get to the state of where you get again without I'm not trying to give anything away, but yeah, that is extraordinary when you can. And I don't even want to use I was going to use a word that I shouldn't use because it will give it away. But it's uh, it's an amazing form. But just tell me that something we have to have a lot of passion when oh, you make that scene. I, it, that's like a dream scenario. I think all of us, <laughs> like even watching it, watching each other, like having those elements and the people that were doing the visual effects, special effects, practical effects, like having that all around you and being a part of it, that's like a dream. So yeah. I was just like in my element, which freezing. The fact there was a lot of liquid going, a liquid and the, the elements and cold and I had a tank top on, like and wet, like that helped. Yeah, I just went for it and it just was fun. We were also really pressed for time. And yeah. I think... In a way that helps sometimes because you know, you got to one and done it. You got to get this and that's it. That's all we got. Cause then we got to get to the next thing. And he really showed up. Like he really, he really was able we, to. We had it planned out. It was Simon White and his team from Running with Scissors. And yeah. so they had all of the goo and everything. And once you start, you can't stop. So I just said to Jeff, who was also running the camera, I was like, we're just going to go. We're just going to keep going. And so I would shout out to Bucci, do this. And he just ran with it. He was so damn Thanks. good. Paul, where? You're a full moon? What? Poes. Poes. Bite? No hum. Save. I, I don't understand. shine anum. Beware. Anubis? I, I still don't under. And a testament to David, this is David's directorial debut. And we trust him so much as just his intelligence. When he writes something, we know he's researched it. We know it's real. We know it's going to happen. So we trusted that he was going to get this. There was no doubt. And to watch him when we knew we were in dire straits time-wise, a couple of incidents happened too on set. And we're trying to, we're trying to race against the clock. And David, yes. so calm and never got nervous, never got anxious and got it all. Really? <laughs> Sounds like you're an actor's director. Oh, yeah. I, I've had a lot of practice at this. And my wife is also a director, so I've, I've been able to watch what she does and take some cues off of that. And one of them is never let them see you sweat. <laughs> so they didn't see me sweat. No, not at all. I have to say, listeners, too, actually, everyone here is really cool and calm. Collect. We have to talk about practical effects. We run a horror podcast. My co-host, Jake, and I have been advocating practical effects for a long time. I'm just going to say films of the 80s when right. they use practical effects. You actually have a unique take on some things that have been done in the past. And I, I thought that was almost a hallmark of the film, how that occurs. Thanks for that. Yeah, I think we can open it up a little bit to you see what the image at the end of the trailer. There's an implication there. We could probably say something about that without yeah. saying any names. But yeah. so, yeah, I mean, there is a creature component to this. And in that, we very much believed that practical effects make all the difference in the world. When you, we had George Troyser, who was on Face Off, just an amazing creature designer, help us with the creature components to our story. 
And it makes all the difference in the world. It's tactile. And when you're dealing with something that is blood and guts and violence, when you put it all in VFX, it just, it doesn't, you, you feel the distance with the material. But when it's practical effects, when you can just feel that goo in the hands and the actors can even respond to it in a different way, it really does bring up the scare factor a lot. You did mention before that you do have CGI, but it's done in a very subtle and great way. It really makes production look wonderful. In fact, there's certain scenes in there where I thought these were real. I'm going to call it things that you, that you have it made the film look bigger. Shout out to Fuse FX for that. It's an incredible VFX company and they did the VFX for a medical drama that I had produced over at ABC a couple of seasons ago. And I became very good friends with Steve Meyer over there and said, hey, want to show you just a couple of clips from the short thing that I'm putting together. Can't pay you anything. You want to help out? And he put it up to the, the higher ups over there and they all said yes. And so we got 35 VFX shots for free out of the, the kindness of people over there at, at Fuse FX. So they, they really brought the production value up to a different level, including an opening shot we were talking about. There's a helicopter. You, you think it's a practical helicopter. That it's incredible. Yeah, but that, that's all VFX and they, they, they brought that to the table for us. The biggest thing I want to say too is that we are, Adam Butch and I are huge lovers of classic horror cinema. We believe the best effects were done back then, even when Evil Dead 2, when you're like, okay, this is like, some ridiculous stuff, but you, you never forget those images. We really wanted to make sure we kept that intact. And so it was a beautiful marriage of both things, you know, from running with scissors to George Troster to Fuse, really creating a beautiful picture. In and the, watching in them the on end. set doing what they do is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> My understanding from David is both the Adams, as, as Dave refers to both of you, were instrumental in the story of Let It Kill You. Can you tell me about its origins and your creative process for it? We met over 10 years ago. I was his understudy in a musical, actually. And we became an item. And fast forward, we're married now. But Congrats. Thank you. But we, at the time, we wanted to create content that felt like it represented us because we didn't believe in labels. We didn't believe in... Putting these in a Yeah. Box. So we want... Yeah. And we love horror. We bonded over and love with we had to movies. face a lot of our own horrors in coming out and coming out to our families. And that really helped. Yeah. So we, when we think back to it, th this concept, we had the names of these characters. Not all the characters are in this short film, but in the feature version, the world that was created that David perfected and made it amazing. We had these characters that started out, we had them because we were in a musical. So we had a musical version in our heads of uh, these creatures. We had, then it turned into like a plot drama, a short web series. Maybe we'll make it into this. And it just, went to being a script and we developed it over the years. And then when we got David on board, it just became a whole nother beast. And we really felt <laughs> no that. Pun intended. And I think once Get Out came out, that seeing how you take a message and put it in the horror genre, that was like the beginning of yeah. it all. And everyone always refers to that. But that really was what inspired us even more. Seeing Guillermo del Toro do it in Shape of Water and talking about using this genre to get your message across. We just think it's such a beautiful way to get to tell a story without hitting someone over the head. These guys did such a terrific job with it. That's really what spoke to me when they first came to me was for, I coach a lot of writers and they came to me with a script and I was like, guys, you have something pretty spectacular here. It has LGBTQ themes in it, but it's done in a way that's so clever. Get Out 
and it's in the approach to the elevated horror of it. And I was like, look, you can count me in or out, but I will spec a version of this with you guys and we'll, we'll work on the story together. But I really think you have something beautiful here to tell. And this is horror that I'd be definitely interested in seeing. All came from them. And it's also so personal because it really does talk about them coming out as two gay men in, in this world and how they had to deal with so many horrors with family and friends in different way and how they had to navigate that. So take all of that and translate that into a sort of creature feature and you get a little bit of a sense of where, where we go. That's a great message. In fact, in our podcast, we've been interviewing more authors and we, we're trying to see that representation is becoming a, a huge theme as it should because Again, most of the books or movies we grew up in the 80s with, uh, they have a certain point of view, let's face it. I'm very excited by seeing different representation in all genres. The other thing I really want to tell the audience is I didn't realize that Adam Bucci and Adam Huss were married. And they have a lot of on-screen chemistry, which they usually say married couples don't have that same chemistry on, on film, but you guys do. And I did not realize that coming into this interview. So that was, it is an extraordinary performance by both of you. <laughs> That's very cool. But just, we figured that out. And we time. also like, we have our own production company now as well. And we started that five, six, seven years ago. This project that would kill you has really been around for a minute in our brains. So we've had shot teasers. We've shot for pitches. We've shot all different proof of concepts different versions of the script before we even met David. So we were like the ones running the show on these quick like teaser kind of spots with people helping us. And we realized, wow, we're a really good team here. Like we can really fill in where the other person was doing something else. And as produced, that's how we got our producer kind of experience too. Let It Kill You has given us, it's just been inspiring us to keep pushing forward with it. This story has to get made. And it's we're so lucky to have David because... It's like we could have had it made many different ways. And we're so glad it didn't happen, actually, because it's in such a great place right now. And to have the short film, it's like a prequel in a way to like what this story is we've been developing for so many years. So to see it coming to life and Adam's character, especially Aiden, to play that character after all these years of developing it. That was pretty cool, I think, for him to yeah. actually play it in front of the camera. Like, Definitely gave more gravitas and yeah. depth and understanding of him. And I do believe that you have to trust sometimes the process and whether or not we get to play these leads in the feature, and we hope we do, that having had this opportunity has been really special and they, these characters mean a lot to us. And I think it's weird because we almost get to play out stuff on camera that we're still going through today in, in different ways. And you get to put it into this performance that's removed from yourself, but still such a part of you. I can't wait for the feature film. And I hope you both star in this, in the features. Me too. I think that is the goal. We really want to make it so that the feature has these two in these roles that they have built for themselves. And are, there's just no one better to play. Again, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me about Let It Kill You, David and Adam and Adam. I hope you have a great showing coming up here at Seattle International Film Festival. And I can't wait to see the feature. I hope to see Adam Bucci and Adam Huss in the feature film. And, and many more coming from David. And David, by David, of course. Director, yeah. With us together, we know it's like unstoppable. So we just know it's a matter of time. And that's what feels best about this. And waiting for this, this iteration of Let It Kill You. Wonderful, wonderful. Thanks again for being on the podcast. I absolutely enjoy meeting with David, Adam, and Adam for their film, Let It Kill You. 
It's spectacular in so many ways. The directing, the acting, the script, the cinematography, the practical effects, the CGI. It's amazing what they're able to achieve with this film. And and clearly they have a lot of passion for this project. I'm going to leave links for their official website and for their Instagram so you can follow them. Support this film in any way you can. And I hope to see them in a future film or TV series very soon. And just to highlight the multi-talented director, David Cornu, the music played at the beginning of this podcast episode at the end is composed by David. It's the theme from Let It Kill You. Let It Kill You is definitely one of my favorite films for uh, the 2023 Seattle Film Festival. 